Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Wednesday Night Prayer Meeting, a podcast about the history of jazz told from the perspective of someone who's been piecing it together one record at a time over the course of 20-odd years digging through record bins. From Hermosa Beach, California, I'm your host, Frank, and that was Jade Visions from the album Sunday at the Village Vanguard by the Bill Evans Trio, with Bill Evans on piano, Scott LaFaro on bass, and Paul Modian on drums. This week's episode is about the music of Scott LaFaro, who's remembered as one of the instrument's most creative virtuosos. Rocco Scott LaFaro was born in 1936 in Newark, New Jersey. He grew up in a musical family. His father was a violinist who played in the Dorsey Brothers Orchestra and who took young Scott to see all sorts of music, especially jazz and classical. Scott started out playing the piano, clarinet, and tenor sax, and didn't really start playing bass until he enrolled at Ithaca College when he was forced to choose a string instrument in order to be a music major. Once he picked up the bass, he was by all accounts obsessed with it, and by the time he was finishing up school, he got work in Buddy Morrow's orchestra, an R&B outfit best known for their hit Night Train. After seeing the country with Morrow's group, LaFaro moved to Los Angeles to find work, and by 1957 he was playing with just about everyone in the area, as well as touring with Chet Baker. This first set of songs is from early in his career. Up first is Onilasaur. Enjoy.
That was Misery, Lady Day, from the album Sung Heroes by Tony Scott, with Tony Scott on clarinet, and a rhythm section that would go on to be considered one of the finest in jazz, Bill Evans on piano, Scott LaFaro on bass, and Paul Modian on drums. Before that was Bebop from the album The Arrival of Victor Feldman, with Feldman on vibes, Scott LaFaro on bass, and Stan Levy on drums. Before that was Liz Ann from the album Stan Getz with the Cal Jader Sextet, with Getz on tenor, Jader on vibes, Vince Guaraldi on piano, Eddie Duran on guitar, Scott LaFaro on bass, and Billy Higgins on drums. And starting that set off was Onilasaur from the album This Is Pat Moran by Pat Moran, with Moran on piano, LaFaro on bass, and Gene Gamage on drums. The album was later reissued under LaFaro's name as the legendary Scott LaFaro to capitalize on his posthumous fame. Much of LaFaro's reputation stems from his time in the Bill Evans trio. This is what pianist Bill Evans had to say about their time together. At that time, I had just begun my own trio with Jimmy Garrison and Kenny Dennis. And because of conditions on the job, that trio broke up. And by the end of the job, Scott had come in, come into the job and expressed an interest in, in building and developing as a trio, which is the thing that we needed. We needed to have people that were interested in each other so that we could spend a year or two years just growing without any, you know, verbal uh, uh, ambitions, just, just allowing the music to grow and allowing our talents to merge uh, in a very natural way. So. He expressed that interest, and Paul Modian, who I had known through other jobs and so forth, was also on that job, and, and he was interested, and that's what happened. And we went from there, and it was rather a struggle for a couple of years. We didn't get too much work, but but the trio did develop amazingly because even our first record, which was made, I think, only after about five weeks' work with the trio, you'll hear interplay, uh, that is the portrait in jazz, record on Riverside, you hear a type of interplay and things which we discovered and I did, I've discovered in the record which are surprising to me today after such a short time together. That's the marvelous thing about uh, a, a, true, a true group because a true group grows together in a sympathetic way musically to the point where the music exists at a level which is not at a level of awareness of the musicians themselves. The Explorations album, for instance, I wasn't going to release. We, we, we had a very, very bad feeling within the group that night uh, we, uh, for reasons which I won't bother to explain now, but we were very independent of each other, yet the music itself was in sympathy. And uh, you can hear all of this, and, and I've learned to love that album, even though I felt at the time we made it that I wouldn't release it because I felt that, that it just wasn't nothing happening. We had this understanding from the beginning that we were going to try to stick with this idea and let it develop, and we did. And when we needed to go for other work or something, we did, but we always returned to this idea. And I think that's the reason that it developed that way, because it wasn't just a practical consideration of trying to make a 150 a week or a couple hundred a week and go here and there and, you know, and just play a job. It was a thing that we were trying to do musically. We agreed on our musical aims. 
and we didn't try to force the music and uh, we all believed in each other's talents and that was it. Well, what can you say about Scott LaFaro, the musician, as far as his approach to the bass went? Well, I think that his approach to the bass was it was a beautiful thing to see. We, we roomed together many times when we were traveling. And I would say that we have a similar approach in that I never sit at the piano unless I just walk to it and sit down and play. And Scott never picked up the bass unless he just walked over and picked it up. It wasn't one of those things like it's three o'clock and now I'm going to play for an hour, you know? And he would just pick it up and get involved and he would get involved with maybe one figure, one particular type of, of uh, cross fingering or cross string fingering or, or double stop or quadruple stop or whatever. And he would just work it and work it and work it. And he would develop an insight and he would force himself farther into his intuitive insight into the hidden mechanics, the secret mechanics of stringed instruments. And his approach to string to the bass was this total approach. It was not uh, a studied approach. It was it was a total encompassing, enveloping approach, where he he seemed to master a whole area, so that I don't know. It's difficult to explain, but uh, his tech his technique was built. Uh, through uh, fire as some kind of a spark in him which took over and he would just grab the bass and he would just work and work and work and work and, and lay it down. Sometimes he would lay, just usually lay the bass down with a quadruple stop or a triple stop that would just resound. He had a marvelous bass and he would just lay it down and let the sound ring and it was a marvelous thing because the sound would just ring and ring and ring. I've never heard any, any sustaining sound in bass that could compare with Scott's. I read once where somebody said he had a, a small tone or something. I just can't imagine how anyone could say that. Uh, this He had the largest, longest sound of any bass I've ever heard, you know? <laughs> I approach music through music, and Scott approached music through music, and he allowed his own energies to direct his progress. And whatever problem came up at that second was the problem that he wanted to solve and I think it was the right problem for him to solve at that moment. Their work together yielded some of the greatest piano trio recordings in jazz history and they will make up this next set of songs. Up first is the classic Autumn Leaves. Enjoy. Thank you. 
That was Sweet and Lovely from the album Explorations by the Bill Evans Trio, which was Bill Evans on piano, Scott LaFerro on bass, and Paul Modian on drums. Before that was My Romance from the album Waltz for Debbie, called from the same recordings as the episode opener. And starting that set off was Autumn Leaves from the album Portrait and Jazz by the Bill Evans Trio. Apart from being in Bill Evans' trio, LaFerro was in high demand as a bassist and was an early participant in jazz's avant-garde, including playing in Ornette's double quartet on free jazz. This next set of songs is from around the same time as the Bill Evans' trio recordings to give an idea of LaFerro's versatility. Up first is a track he recorded with Booker Little. This is BT's Minor Plea. Enjoy.
That was So What from a demo that Scott LaFerro cut with pianist Steve Kuhn and drummer Pete LaRocca in 1960. Before that was Variations on Django 1 from the album Jazz Abstractions by Gunther Schuller, one of the more artistically successful attempts at establishing a third stream genre of music that blended elements from jazz and European art music. It featured Schuller conducting and arranging Jim Hall on guitar, Bill Evans on piano, Eddie Costa on vibes, George DeVivier with the walking bass, Scott LaFerro with the more dynamic bass, Styx Evans on drums, and I would guess the great Eric Dolphy with the flute exclamation at the end. And starting that set off was BT's Minor Plea from the album Booker Little by Booker Little, with Little on trumpet, Wynton Kelly on piano, Scott LaFerro on bass, and Roy Haynes on drums. Sadly, Scott LaFerro's life was cut short in 1961 in a car crash in Flint, New York. Unlike so many jazz musicians of the era, LaFerro didn't drink or use drugs, but he did enjoy fast cars, and it wound up being his undoing. Thank you so much for listening. As always, if you have any questions or comments or requests, you can reach me via email at wnpmpod at gmail.com or find me on Twitter at Wednesday underscore jazz. The long piece for tonight is one that I've played before, but I think it's worth close listening. This is Free Jazz by Ornette Coleman. On the left channel is Ornette on alto, Don Cherry on pocket trumpet, Scott LaFerro on bass, and Billy Higgins on drums. And on the right channel is Eric Dolphy on bass clarinet, Freddie Hubbard on trumpet, Charlie Hayden on bass, and Ed Blackwell on drums. As much as I enjoy the beauty that LaFerro created with Bill Evans' trio, Free Jazz will always have a special place in my heart as being one of the earliest albums to open my eyes to the possibilities of music when opened up beyond usual structures. LaFerro's solo portion comes about 30 minutes in after Charlie Hayden's solo, but his playing throughout is impressive and I hope you enjoy listening to it. This is Free Jazz. Enjoy.
Thank you.